to a flag or to a nation and feel that sort of patriotism, but uh, I feel a pull towards another land this morning. Amen. Let's sing that last chorus one more time. I pledge allegiance. 
to, uh, to sing this morning, There Is a Land, a uh, song by Terry Tidwell. We've been praying for him and Vicki, and she got some, some good news. She's feeling good this week. The, many of you know the Tidwells. He's such an amazing songwriter. And, um, <clears throat> but this song says, what am I so homesick for? Just not myself here anymore. I'm looking for that open door that leads to that land. Amen. And uh, let's just sing that and uh, just worship the Lord this morning as we, as we come together in the name of Christ. What am I so homesick for? Just not myself. Here looking for that open door that leads to that land. So I'll drop these weeping eyes, lift my
announcements this morning. Um, this is a holiday weekend. A lot of people are going on vacation. There's also a lot out sick. Let's uh, just remember all of them this morning. And um, I tell you what, let's stand to our feet before we go to the announcements in prayer and just worship the Lord and sing that song Beulah Land. Amen. I believe it's um, 2529 in the songbook. And uh, just fill a, fill a theme here this morning. Amen. And uh, let's just worship God and think about our think about our home home country, so to speak. But you know what? The work has to be done here. And so, um, <clears throat> a lot of times, Christians uh, will think, you know, there's going to be a rapture. Christ is going to come, and there's going to be a great rescue, and we can sort of just check out and wait for that time to come. That's not what we're commanded to do. We're to be found working. Amen. And so. Uh, so even though we have this longing in our hearts for home and for Christ's return and to set up his kingdom here on earth in the millennium, amen, here's where we've been put. Here's where we work. Here's where we pray. Here's where we seek. Amen. But let's sing that song, Beautiful Land, this morning. I'm kind of home. Day. 
You may have your seats again. And um, as we go through the, the prayer request here, I'd like to ask Brother Joe Drum, if he would, to be ready to lead us to the Lord in prayer over these requests. Uh, we're asking prayer for the Smiths who are away today. They, they, uh, the Buchanans are all away, I believe. Special re request for Karen. Um, the Sylvesters are out today. Also, the McCafferty's, the Irishes. Crosses are in Florida. I think Brother Matt's at a, at a wedding down there. Let's pray for the Ashdowns who are gone. And um, saw my brother David come in. I was thinking they were still in Elizabethton as, as well. The Johnsons, Crystal Johnson, is not here as well. So uh, any unspoken prayer requests before we go to the Lord in prayer? Um, uh, special request for the Park's daughter, Sandy, and her grandson, Eli, here as well. So, uh, Brother Drum, if you would, just lead us to the Lord in prayer. Quick testimony. I'm praising the Lord for my healing. <laughs> Praise God. The doctors say it's just a little bit longer for, before I go into full emission, remission. And uh, I just praise God for his love and his mercies. I've, I've continued to stream, and I thank God for that, for this assembly that we have the technology to be able to do that and uh, to hear your prayers and uh, see your faces now face-to-face. -face. And it's just uh, it's beautiful to be back in the house of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Uh, let us all pray. Our precious and dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, thanking you for your wondrous love and mercies and grace. Lord, to be able to hear this truth in this end time. Lord, it's so beautiful. It's so challenging. Lord, to be able to meet the challenges of this day. But, Lord, the testimonies and the fellowship and forsaking not together, together, Lord, and being at our post of duty when called on, Lord, we're so blessed. We're thankful for it. Lord, we've heard the request this morning. Lord, we pray that you be with those that are traveling and, and Lord, taking a little time away to be with their families, Lord, and loved ones. We pray, Lord, that you... See those that are sick. Lord, we know what that's like, Lord. So we, we're praying from the depths of our heart, Lord, that you touch them, Lord Jesus. Bring them back, that, Lord, that we know that you are the healer. Your presence is real. We're thankful for that, Lord. There's different ones, Lord, that different circumstances of whatever it may be. We pray, Lord, for all those uplifted hands, Lord, that was not spoken, but, Lord, we know that they're important also. And we pray, Lord, that you just help us. As this word, Lord, is brought forth today, Lord, we love our pastor. Lord, we love that word. And we're so blessed. We're so happy, Lord Jesus. And, Lord, just let it feed us today. Let it give that nugget to us, Lord, that you would know that it was for us and for you, just as what you want us to have. And we're so thankful for that. Lord, don't let me ramble on, Lord Jesus, in all my words of 
But Lord, just know that we do worship you and we do praise you. And we ask all this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Brother Trump. Thank you for that testimony as well. While the deacons come for the morning offering, let's sing a little bit of that chorus, Amazing Love. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken and I'm accepted you were condemned I'm alive and well your spirit is within me because you died and rose stand and sing that song Canaan's land is just in sight amen Moses led God's children 40 years he led them through the heat and through the night though they said let's turn back Moses said keep on
believe it's just inside. Well, that's good. We are going to change over the order of the service this morning as we invite Brother Barry to come forward and, and uh, break the word for us. And so let's sing that chorus. Uh, we fall down. We lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. Amen. He's the one. He, he is where our true allegiance lies. He's the one. Amen. That we look to. Praise God. Well, we fall down. We lay our today they're not with us uh, brother Johnny's in hospital over in uh, Wake Forest they uh, came through the procedure yesterday they did a hard cath they inserted two stents uh, in there and he's doing well they're just waiting for his numbers to balance out and uh, get him back on the road again so Lord willing he'll be home uh, tomorrow uh, possibly today but more than likely tomorrow so we're thankful for uh, for that procedure being successful for brother Johnny 
and uh, we consider that just a real victory and uh, black eye for the enemy. And uh, so let's join our hearts together in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, as we bow our hearts, Lord, in your presence today, Lord, it's such an honor to be able to come into the presence of your people, the ones, Lord, that you purchased on the cross of Calvary. And Lord, when we think about who we are in the midst of, Lord, it's, it's just a, such a, uh, an exciting thing, Lord, because we know you have called us in your own sovereign way, Lord, to spend eternity together. And that's not for everybody, Lord, but for those that you chose. You put us together. Lord, I pray you'd keep us together. I pray, Lord, our destiny would be together as well. Father, but when we think about your presence among us, Lord, that's even so far above the presence of, of one another, Lord. It's, it's just such an awesome thing to be in the house with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And to know, Lord, that you are present here and that you're able to hear our voices and you're able to speak to us, Lord. You're able to whisper thoughts into our hearts and our minds. And Lord, you're able to give us direction. You're able to give us answers. You're able, Lord, to heal the sick and those that are afflicted today. Whether they be here, whether they're listening, Lord, whether there are needs that we know of, Lord Jesus, you are still a healer today and we believe that and we pull upon that part of you today, Lord, and ask that your healing virtue would flow. Lord, I pray that you would now take the word, take my voice, my lips, Lord, my thoughts, and I just surrender all of them, Lord, and give them to you and pray in the name of Jesus Christ that, Lord, you administer to the hearts of your people. I thank you, Lord, for standing here today. I thank you, Lord, for your grace in getting us back here today. And, Lord, I just pray now that you would just speak to our hearts. We give you the day like an offering. We just come in our hearts into your presence now. In Jesus' lovely name and for your glory, we ask all of these things. Amen. Amen. Sing that chorus one more time. It sounds so nice. We cry, holy. Jesus. Let's go back to the first verse. Greatness of his mercy and love at the feet of Jesus. just for a couple of moments here and uh, let me say it's good to be in the house of the Lord it's good to be with uh, people that are familiar and uh, I was with uh, several million in New York and none of them were familiar and uh, they didn't want us to be there and we didn't want to be there but uh, by God's grace we made it back and I'm very thankful for that we we had originally made plans all of our plans should begin with Lord willing Musicians, you can take your places there. It'll be just fine. We should always say, Lord willing, uh, we're going to take a trip. Lord willing, we're going to do this or that. And uh, we are so thankful that uh, uh, we made it through. It was certainly a very harrowing experience. I consider myself a traveler until this past week. Uh, this week, I felt like a failure. And uh, 
but it was uh, uh, it was certainly quite an experience for us. The whole system locked up, and we were caught right in the middle of the lockup, and uh, there was absolutely nothing that we could do about our situation. So, uh, but uh, by God's grace, we made it through and uh, got to spend some real good quality time with the Javeds and then also with the Ramroops up there in New York, several people that we know and had an opportunity to be with them and, and I was glad that we got a chance to do that. Uh, let me just say this this morning, I'm really glad to see Brother John uh, Harwell and uh, uh, just very thankful for God's touch in him and giving him strength and we appreciate uh, that very much. Great to have the Franklins uh, with us today. God bless you, all grown up and ugly, I mean grown up and uh, Good to have them with us today. Appreciate them being here. Uh, we certainly uh, do appreciate uh, all of the new population we have in the church and uh, the new babies that are here. Sister Doris, you're here. God bless you this morning. I didn't recognize you here this morning, and good to have you here. And uh, Parks' uh, family, God bless you and, and uh, each one. Now, let me just, uh, if you don't mind, I'll just work through a couple of these here. Uh, July 3rd, which is uh, on Tuesday, Anna Pritchard, uh, her birthday is here. I don't know whether they're here or not. Uh, Sister Ruby's birthday. Sister Ruby, how old are you going to be on your birthday? Seven? Really? Wonderful. We are, we are thankful for Ruby. She's a rough uh, competitor in the hockey, but she's a great girl. And uh, Peter's birthday as well. And uh, Peter's uh, not, he just stepped out here. And uh, we appreciate Peter very much. His birthday's on July 3rd. Uh, July 5th, uh, the Ashdowns anniversary. They're away this weekend. July 6th is Isaac Clavel's birthday. Isaac, how old are you going to be on your birthday? Six years old, really? God bless you, Isaac. July 7th is Haven Pritchard's birthday. And they're not here today. July 8th is our 39th uh, wedding anniversary, and I'm very uh, thankful for uh, Sister Becky and, and uh, our years together, and uh, hopefully, Lord willing, we'll be uh, taking the family next year to uh, Newfoundland for our 40th wedding anniversary, but uh, uh, I'm, I'm excited about our anniversary this year coming up. July 9th is Sister Sherry Holly's. Uh, birthday, and Sister Sherry is a faithful watcher, and uh, we miss Sister Sherry. She uh, uh, is not very mobile these days, but uh, certainly very attentive and, and really enjoys the services. And then July 10th is Brother Wakasa's uh, birthday. Now, uh, I'll just show you this picture. We got to go to Long Island. As a matter of fact, in, in the day we, we, were, we were canceled and traveling out last Sunday evening, we were supposed to leave. And then uh, we got up really early on Monday morning and took the flight up to New York, waited all day long uh, until uh, like around 9 o'clock at night before they decided to cancel the flight. So we were in the, in the airport the entire day with the people. And then when they said the flight is canceled, uh, you, here's your uh, luggage ticket. You can go down and get your luggage. They told us we had to line up for a long time uh, to get into the luggage area. And then they said it was going to be between three and seven hours for you to get your luggage. And uh, there were people there literally all night long camped out in the places, you know, trying to get their luggage and all the rest of it. So in that time, I had I contacted Brother Anwar and I said, uh, Brother Amber, how far are you from uh, JFK Airport and, and so forth? And uh, because I know sometimes he drives Uber. 
and, uh, and so does Paris as well over there on the right. And uh, so he said, we're not, we're not too very far. And I said, there's no car rentals in this city. Imagine, in New York City, no car rentals, no hotels near the airport. And we were literally, we were trapped. We were stuck. And so I called Brother Anwar and I said, do you think it's possible that you could come by and bring us to a place? I'll make a, a, a reservation. The nearest reservation I could find was Philadelphia. So we were going to fly out of Philadelphia and do a milk run to try to get to Toronto, to try to get to Newfoundland and so forth. That all fell through. And uh, I said, the only thing I know to do is we, we found a hotel in Manhattan. Uh, there was no rental cars whatsoever. And Brother Amar said, I'll be there. Brought, brought him and Wakasa in Paris. They came to us. They had a cooler full of drinks for us because we realized we hadn't eaten uh, all day since, uh, since way early on uh, matter of fact, the last meal that we had was with Luke and Haley Sunday evening in Charlotte, believe it or not. And so we were just ex totally exhausted, and it was late Monday night, and, and uh, Brother Amar came and rescued us. And then the next day, we wound up going out to their place uh, on Long Island, visited with them, and this is their home there. Brother Wakas is, a, is the boy from on, on the left-hand side over here, and he's the one that uh, we did the open hearts, uh, not we, uh, we... we brought uh, Wakas over here and he had open heart surgery done up in Michigan and uh, he was born with a faulty valve and the blood was flowing backwards in his body and so forth and a lot of complications but uh, he's perfectly normal young man and uh, today's or on the 10th is going to be his birthday and so we're always excited about announcing his birthday. He was about as big as a loaf of bread at four years old and uh, he's much bigger now, but uh, he was uh, here after the surgery and went back to Pakistan. And of course, they came out of Pakistan on asylum and uh, wound up uh, living here in the States. And, and this year is their 10th anniversary of leaving Pakistan under the threat of death. And uh, they were living here and still are in Queens. And Brother Amwar is responsible for doing all the translation and manages the distribution of all message materials in Pakistan and does an absolutely outstanding job, coordinates it all from his uh, house there in Queens, New York. And so it was a really great blessing for us to be with them, but they were really blessed. And uh, Brother uh, Paris came and picked us up on uh, Thursday, and we, we finally wound up renting a truck. That's uh, all we could find. And uh, we rented a, a big old Toyota truck, and uh, got, I, I hoisted Sister Becky up. It threw her up in it, threw the luggage in it, and I said, let's escape New York City, and we did, and drove to Boston because that was the place where we could get a flight. And we uh, stayed uh, two nights in Boston and then came back yesterday morning. And, uh, and we're here. And so with all the perfect storm of the weather, the not enough uh, flight controllers, you know, so ground control shut everything down, all the other things that were going, not enough planes, not enough employees, and then the smoke rolls in from Canada. And uh, it was just amazing. So we escaped up to Boston, then got on the plane and came down, Lord willing, or uh, by God's grace, and then uh, we were here uh, yesterday afternoon. So we're thankful for that. Now, uh, special services coming up July 23rd. We're not going to have a service tonight uh, because uh, we're going to have a, a, a special service on July 23rd with Brother Stacy Goodbread. We're going to have two on Sunday uh, that day. And uh, we also have a lot of people who are traveling away on this holiday weekend. And then in August, Brother Trevor Eamon. And then on Labor Day, we're going to uh, circulate word. We're going to have a special meeting with Brother Paula Fontaine. 
and uh, looking forward to that. So we have two new additions in the family. One is Rufaro Julia uh, Nengamaza, and they're doing well this morning. They're at home and uh, uh, getting adjusted now to the new size of family. And then also uh, Danny and Caitlin had uh, their baby yesterday and uh, doing well. And uh, we'll get some pictures out just shortly uh, so you can see, uh, see them. I also want to say special this morning. I was really blessed when I heard the drums were, were here, and I was really blessed, Brother Joe, with your testimony this morning. We are so thankful to see you there in your old spot, and may God bless you. You've never been far from our thoughts and prayers, and uh, you're special people, and uh, we are really excited that you're here today. I think it was on the way to church this morning, and Sister Becky and I were saying it would be so nice to see the drums and go visit them. If they don't get here, we're going to go and, and see them. So we're just really glad that you're here uh, today. Now, just very quickly, very briefly here, I know I'm taking a little bit of time, but just uh, a few more minutes here. Uh, in Zimbabwe, Brother uh, um, Aaron does a wonderful job at helping to coordinate materials and resources out there uh, in Zimbabwe in the far uh, remote areas. And uh, every now and then he'll say, hey, we need 15 Bibles or we need 10 Bibles or we need 25 Bibles or whatever else. And there are missionaries that are moving around. And this was a little village out uh, in Zimbabwe, in Shamva. And uh, I'm not sure what part of Zimbabwe that is, but these missionaries were carrying a total of about seven Bibles. Or they had ten. And they left three in one place and seven in another place. But these are people who are receiving these Bibles, and they were very excited to have them in their own language. Small churches, nobody has a Bible hardly, and it was really nice to be able to get uh, these materials to them. Very quickly, uh, one of the uh, saints wrote a report from Ukraine, and this was the flooded area where the dam broke. And uh, this is Brother Yuri, and I don't know that I've ever met Brother Yuri, but uh, his, uh, his house was damaged because he lived very close to an army base in Ukraine. And so he moved out uh, to another place where there was an abandoned house. And he's been living in that abandoned house uh, for some time now. But it was in the region of where all the floods were uh, taking place. <coughs> and so he wrote this uh, note here. Uh, there are three families. Actually, this sister wrote uh, this note about Brother Yuri here. And there are three families that live near the dam. And uh, two of them live upstream, so there was no problem. And one family ended up in the flood zone. And the water stopped 100 feet from the house. God took care of it. He used to have, uh, this brother Yuri used to have some work, but he hasn't for a long time. And he has no children to help him. And his pension is too small, so life is very difficult. <coughs> now, that's why we continue to support these folks, because they're, uh, in a sense, they kind of disappeared in the woodwork of uh, this struggle. And without families to take care of them, many times their families have left and gone to Europe uh, or some other place, and they don't have anybody left if they're elderly to help take care of them, nobody to check on them. And um, he has no children to help him. His pension is small. And he said, we're not used to writing about our needs. We prefer to pray, and God answers supernaturally. It's been that way all year from the beginning of the war. And one time our brother supported us, and then you supported us, and then suddenly I was paid for some unused vacation time, which is, to me, miraculous. And now is the time for hope and complete trust in God, not your own strength or your own work, but only on the Lord. And you can clearly see his hand. I think that's great. We pray that there will be no more police searches, 
They came, then they turned around and left. They, they, the police came to this particular home a couple of different times and caused some real problems there. And, uh, but they turned around and left, but it was still a strong shock. And we prayed that they would not come to us and that our region and country would be miraculously released. And when the authorities come to a place like that, they don't really have any controls. So they're kind of, uh, there's a lawlessness about uh, living in Ukraine. So the, the soldiers and the police very often, uh, they're there to get what they can, to uh, ransack through the homes and take what they can. Uh, it, it's, it's not a very pleasant situation. And they, we, they don't look at police like we look at police over here. And so it was a very shocking thing for them to come into their home. But she said, God brings us closer to himself, takes care of everything. Thank you for your prayers and for everything. And may God bless your, your church and your family and with God, Sister Ina. And so uh, that's a little from the, uh, from the folks in Ukraine. And there's still that uh, need, by God's grace, we're still able to send folks uh, funds and, and resources over to them. Now, let's stand to our feet, if you don't mind, and I'm going to ask you to look in the, in the scriptures with me. We're going to go to 1 John chapter 1. And I'm sorry if I missed any names here this morning, but we're just delighted to have all of you here today, and may God bless you. Let's study the Word for a little bit. Would that be all right? And I was just, you know, in the midst of this week, I was just going back over a little bit over what we talked about last Sunday, and we were talking about uh, the, uh, the, the sixth trumpet and how it sounded and what, uh, what the results of that are. And I still I fell right back into that again, that, uh, that uh, inspiration. And so I just want to draw a little bit from that this morning and see where it takes us here. First John chapter uh, 1, and we'll read starting at verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But, and this is a really important verse here, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Read it again. But if we walk in the light... Not a former light now, not a historical understanding of Jesus. But if we walk in the light as he is, present tense, in the light. We're walking in the light of God that's being manifested in, in our day. Whatever day that is. But if you're in that day and you're walking in the light of God for that day, then this happens. Okay, We have fellowship one with another. In other words, you're brought to your true family. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. May God add his blessing. You may be seated. How do we know we're walking in the light? Well, let's look at verse 8. Keep your Bible open because there's a couple of key scriptures I want you to look at this morning. <clears throat> How do we know we're walking in the light? Well, verse 8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Our confession of who God is and what God is and our position in Christ is, is uh, an indication of whether we're in the light uh, or not. And so therefore, 
walking in tune and walking in harmony with God is a critical thing because it opens up all kinds of things to us and it connects us to the body and it also uh, allows us uh, to be under the blood of Christ. You'll see how important that is in just a moment here. But if you don't mind, uh, let's look in uh, this little statement here that Brother Brandon makes about in the Sermon of Spirit in 1960. Now he said all of the gifts that we have in the body all of those gifts, he said, don't make one greater than the other. It just makes us all work together for the perfection of the body to bring us together as one people, a people of God. Now, that's a great balanced statement. I love that statement because he said, if somebody has a gift, it doesn't mean that they're better than somebody else. It only means that God loves the body so much, he gave differing gifts to the body so that we could all be edified. God does not give somebody the gift to sing so that they can make a name for themselves or to make a bunch of money or to be the best performer in the message. God doesn't even think of those things when he gives out gifts. God gives a gift so that somebody will use it to bless the body of Christ. And some people uh, are, are blessed because they're maybe more widely known and they travel and some people do it in the local assembly. But I thank God for our uh, musicians. I thank God for our song leaders. I thank God for uh, the people that uh, work on the pre-service of our service here and make an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to come and to be able to minister the Word of God. How many of you appreciate the, the musicians and song leaders and people who sing special songs? I, I think if you've got a gift and you don't use it, uh, you're going to have to figure that one out. You're going to have to answer for that one. I'm using my gift today. And you're probably glad I'm using my gift. Uh, you'd probably have a different reaction if I stayed home and said, I'm tired after all week and with all we've been through and uh, wrestled with New York City, so I stayed home. But uh, I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty. I'm just saying that I love to exercise my gift because I know it helps the body. Not because it's going to make me more popular or uh, make me wealthier or healthier. Not going to do that at all. As a matter of fact, it does the opposite. But I will say this. I recognize the fact that uh, what, I, what I'm able to do is because God has empowered me to do. And I want to do it because I know that when we offer our gifts to God and God will take those gifts and use them, the body is blessed. It's not meant to make anyone more popular or more famous or more uh, important or feel more important. Not at all. It, it, is, it is simply uh, to make everybody work together for the perfection of the body. And that's why we're coming to, would you agree? Amen. Now he says we see all these prophets that were speaking, and we, he's referring here to the time of David when David's leaving Jerusalem. And you remember that man comes up and, and uh, you know, he spits on David and, uh, you know, uh, all, of the, all of the commentary that all of the events that take place in the departure of David out of Jerusalem. Remember that story in the Bible? Remember that? Anybody? And, and here's David there. He's walking in a, a foreshadow of Christ leaving Jerusalem, right? And, and going, to, going towards Calvary. And, he's, and, and David is letting it all happen because the soldiers look at that and they say, let me take the head off this dog here and, and kill him for spitting on the king. And David says, no. He says, don't do that. And, and without really understanding how this all fits together, he says, no, just leave it alone. He says, somehow God is in this. And, and they're, they're actually fulfilling, they're foreplaying, if you like, they're, they're forerunning what it's going to be like when Christ is crucified. And they, don't, they, don't, they have no idea that that's coming. They don't have any idea what that looks like. 
They don't have any, nobody's told them, look, stand here, do this, say this. They're not handed a script at all. They're just, they're just playing a part in this drama here, and, and nobody there is probably understanding what's going on. Now watch what Brother Branham says. All of these prophets are speaking. Every one of them were glorifying God and the coming Messiah. And now when they get in the spirit, when they got in the spirit, they acted and spoke and lived the life out just like the Messiah did. And if it did that on this side of the cross, speaking of his coming, how much more will it be after his coming and will put the spirit of the Messiah in the church to act and do and work and live like the Messiah. Are you following me? What a great statement that he's making here, that, that these people back in the Old Testament, they had no script handed to them. They had no, no instruction uh, about what to do or what to say or how to act. But the Spirit of God is actually moving in them to fulfill this, this uh, foreshadow of Christ's coming. And, and then when Jesus comes and they spit on him and pull handfuls of beard out and, and they, they persecute him going up to the cross there uh, in, that, in that horrible uh, end of his life, he, here it is, already been played out back in the days of David back there. And David says, no, don't stop this. Somehow or another, God is in this and he's, and he's fulfilling something, he's foreshadowing something here. That's an amazing thing because they're doing all of that without the Holy Spirit. They're acting like they should act back there. And Brother Bram's simply asking the question, if they can do that back there without the true baptism of the Holy Spirit and without the upper room experience, how much more should we also walk in, in, the, in the right path and under the right inspiration, uh, having the Holy Spirit now on this side and now having the revealer, the teacher on the inside and the guide inside. Hey, our life should be a living manifestation of exactly what God wants for this hour. God should more, I believe that God should more freely be able to move us in the position and speak to us and act through us and live through us in this hour than he even had back in the Old Testament there. Because those are people who never had the new birth. You know what they had? They had a covering for a year. That's all they had. They had an offering that they made in Jerusalem every year, and that, that, get, that bought them a year. That bought them time until the following year. You don't have that. You have something way more permanent and eternal. You have the living Christ on the inside. You have the Holy Spirit. He, he said, I'll be with you even in you. I'll be the comforter. I'll be the teacher. I'll be your guide. I'll be everything you have need of right in that, in that hour. So every day you walk, you'll actually be able to live and express and fulfill the work of Christ for your hour. My goodness. And that's what Brother Branham said <clears throat> is a result of these people. He said, if they're, if they're getting in the spirit, and he says in that, in that uh, second paragraph, and when they got in the spirit, they acted and lived that way. You know what it requires? It requires us getting in the spirit. It does not require us uh, producing the Holy Spirit our, ourselves because he gives that. He's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that right? But it requires you getting in the spirit. And, and we're, we're finding out, as I study this, and as we, we begin to show in this, uh, in this uh, uh, sixth trumpet that sounds when all these demons are loosed, you have your flesh against you, and you have 200 million demons that are against you. Let me ask you a question. How's your prayer life been lately? Is there anybody here satisfied with their prayer life or their spiritual life? 
hey, in a lot of ways, we find frustration after frustration and physically and all the other things that you have against you. You know why? Because you got a great big army that's stacked against you. And they're trying to torment you and distract you in every possible way. And that's why people, you know, they wind up with doubts and questions and, uh, you know, they can be under a certain kind of a ministry or whatever else. And, 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 And let me tell you, there are enemies that you have in your mind that will jump right on top of that and start that snowball rolling down the hill. It only is a little thing at first, but it gets rolling down the hill and becomes bigger and bigger until it's a problem Well, you say, well, there is no answer. And therefore, God must not be God. And you know what? You're believing a lie. You're believing a lie. Well, let's take a look here now, a little bit, uh, little bit more focused. And uh, this is in the second seal, and Brother Bram's talking about the denominational churches and how they were presented with the last day's truth, and they rejected it. And then he says, you can't make the Scripture lie. They're going to be truthful always. And everybody said? Amen. The only thing, don't try to line Scripture up to your thought, but line yourself up with the Scripture. Then you're running with God. Let me give you an example. You remember back in the Old Testament when, uh, when uh, Samuel had told King Agag to uh, destroy all of the Amalekites? Remember that? And he says, when you go into that land, he said, destroy them all, young and old, male, female, the cows and, you know, the animals and everything else. And uh, King Agag, uh, he figures, wow, you know what? I can be king over the people and I can be, uh, I can be uh, or, you know, King Agag, he's a... Uh, He's, he's, in a, he's a representative of the authority of that, of that area. So when, when Saul goes in, Saul says, wow, now I can be a king over this king. I can be an authority over this authority here. And I can, uh, I can save animals for worship, and I can be like a hero uh, by selectively killing off everybody but keeping a few of these sheep and these uh, cows here and the king. And I, I, I'm actually demonstrating power by letting this king live. I'm extending power to a king. That was, that was King Saul's thinking. And Samuel comes along and says, hey, what meaneth the bleeding of the sheep? And why is this king standing before me here? And you know what Samuel, or sorry, you know what uh, Saul tried to do? He tried to line the scripture up to his thinking. I thought God would want this. And I thought God would want it this way. And Samuel says, in his famous statement, obedience is better than sacrifice. And when you start to line up the scripture with your thinking, let me tell you, you're not running with God. All right, so last Sunday, then we introduced this. And if you don't mind, uh, just we'll take a moment here. You've probably read it in your Bible. And, and it says the six angels sounded. Now, I, I dro- I've dropped into this sixth six trumpet here. And uh, we'll, we'll, if you don't mind, a little bit later on, we'll step back and kind of look at where it fits into the whole picture. Because all of these things in the book of Revelation are not chronological. They don't all happen just like one after the other. They happen in seasons. And seals and trumpets and vials and uh, ages, they're all, uh, they all contain different bits of information. And there, there are very few of them that actually line up. This happens, then that happens, and then it happens. They, they, they very often overlap. They can even happen concurrently. So there are things that are piled on top of one another and happening. But either way, this is a, this is a scene where... Uh, the six angel sounds, and I heard his voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the six angel, which had the trumpet, loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. 
So Brother Branham comes along in his uh, teaching on this, on this particular trumpet. And as I said last Sunday, that when he, uh, when he uh, was inspired and he thought about having this meeting on the trumpets, he said, well, we've had a meeting. It took a week on, on seven seals. He said, I'll do the same thing on the seven trumpets. And he, and he, he uh, reserved the church. He went to Sister Doris and reserved the church and the fellowship hall and got it all laid out and uh, decided this is what he was going to do, take one night for each trumpet, and, and he just thought God would give him the revelation just like uh, it came out in the seals. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit stops him and says, no, this is not for the Gentiles at all. This is for the Jews. <clears throat> so Brother Branham comes out in the sermon called the Feast of the Trumpets, and he explains all of that, and, and he gives us a commentary on these trumpets, which is fascinating. And, and then he refers to it in several other sermons. And he identifies this time of these uh, demons that were bound and loosed as showing themselves in World War II. And they were loosed under uh, this time of Stalin, Joseph Stalin and, and Hitler and Mussolini and the other dictators that were assembled on the earth at that time. And these demons, in a sense, they, uh, they were operating in that, in that realm during that time. And they were, they were primarily there to force the Jews to go back to Israel and reestablish themselves back into the land again. And so, in reality, for the Jews that were living in Europe, they'd already been warned to go back to, to Israel. They were already warned to leave Europe because dark clouds were coming. But they did not. Many of them were wealthy. Many of them were educators. They were professors in universities. Many of them were businessmen and well-established in society. There were several of them that were uh, leaders in government, and they did not go back. They didn't heed the warnings of going back to Israel. So God came along and grabbed the carpet and ripped the carpet out from underneath them, and one-third of the Jews at that time died, and many of the others migrated back to Israel again with nothing. They went back to Israel with nothing except a determination to make Israel a homeland for the Jews where they would never be uprooted again and they would have it as a permanent home. Okay? And they were basing that, even though they were not knowing the big picture back then, because remember, they don't have the Revelation or the book of Revelation like we have. Right? So they didn't have a prophet piecing it together like we have. Aren't you glad we had a prophet that came together and gave us a running commentary and an unveiling of the book of Revelation so that we can understand? Let me tell you, there's not many people that, that understand. I, was, I did a little this much and don't do this at home. But I did a little research in Googling what people were saying about the sixth seal and about the trumpets and the 200 million demons coming out. You don't want to do that at home because it's nuts. It's, I mean, and I say that with respect because if it was not for revelation, I'd be guessing and probing the same as everybody else out there. And they were saying all kinds of things about it. And I said, I, at the end of it, you always say, thank God for a prophet that gives you a commentary, that gives you a description of how things really are. Because he's not getting it himself. God's giving it to him. God's showing uh, things to him. And I believe that. I don't know if you believe that, but I believe that. And, and so he's, he's identifying back in World War II, these four angels, verse 15, the four angels were loose and they were prepared for, in the Greek it says, for the hour. 
and the day and the month and were prepared for, uh, sorry, and for the year and to slay the third part of men. So it was not a random time, but it was the time that God had determined. And the number of the army of horsemen were 200,000, and I heard the number of them. And Brother Branham says, when Hitler persecuted the Jews and Stalin and those dictators raised up under that same age. Now, I need you to listen for a moment here. Watch what he says. Under that same age in Germany and all the other nations, the Jews were scattered throughout the land. <clears throat> they were scattered. They were dispersed. And that's called a diaspora. And they were scattered all over the earth. And that's when they spoke Yiddish in their foreign lands. And there has raised in the last 20 years a bitter persecution against the Jews. And he said, I've been out there in the old places where they burned their bodies. I told you a little bit about that uh, last Sunday. And he said, it's been a bitter persecution against Israel because it's the time. It's the time calling him now, calling Israel now back to the atonement. It's the time. We've arrived at a time. The Gentiles have been under the right atonement for 2,000 years. And you know what? Now is the time come where we're going to do a switch. And the Gentile bride is going to be taken out because everyone who's on the Lamb's Book of Life has been gathered under the voice of the last age, right? If you're walking in the light of the last age, all the Gentile brides have been gathered. But you know what? In that last three and a half years, Israel's going to come back into the picture again. And we on this earth are going to be the people who, of all people of all ages, we are the people that got to witness the resurrection of a nation. Can you, can you come up with any other nation on earth that was, uh, that was resurrected from the dead? I can't think of any. And I know your mind's going blank. Just like my mind went blank this week in New York. Somebody, I was walking down Wall Street. Believe it or not, I was walking down Wall Street with my wife. And uh, there was a lady came up to me and they were doing a fundraiser. And she said to me, I got a question for you, sir. And I said, what? And she said, I was, I was trying to be like a New Yorker. What? I'm in a hurry. Everyone's in a hurry in New York. What? And she said, tell me to, tell me to one state in the U.S. that ends in K. I went all over the country. Kansas. No, sir, it begins with K. I went all over the country. I mean, I was everywhere. And she said, where are you from? And I said, i got to save face here, right? Where are you from? Canada. Oh, she said, that explains it. <laughs> I said, what state ends in K? She said, where are you? And I said, Wall Street. She said, no, where? What state are you in? New York. He said, it's been a bitter persecution against Israel because it's the time now. So the Gentile bride's going out. They've been under the right atonement all these years. But now it's a calling for Israel back to the atonement. When Listen now. This is God calling Israel back to Israel. You know how he does it? He says first, in his mercy, he says... All right, everybody, make the aliyah, the return to Israel, going up. And that's the Hebrew phrase. In the early 1900s, there were all kinds of prophets and rabbis and ministers that came through Europe and said, go back to Israel, go back to Israel. And you know what? They looked at that call, they looked at their bank account, and they said, we'll stay. We'll take the risk, we'll stay. And they did. And God said, the only thing I can do is call louder. 
And in that moment, in that time, these demons are loosed. And they find a home in the minds of Hitler and Stalin and Mussolini and all the SS and all the other people that uh, exacted cruelty and, and uh, uh, persecution on the Jewish people. And when they were under such, such conditions there, they were squeezed out of Europe and two-thirds of them basically went back to Israel and established a homeland there. I mean, it's an amazing thing because that's sometimes how God has to call. But whether we, whether we can accept this or not, it was the tender hand of Jehovah leading him back to the tree of life. And you better be prepared to understand this statement, that God will do anything and everything to get you where you need to be before this thing winds up. And don't underestimate God's ability to do things that are well beyond your reasoning and well beyond your understanding to get you where you need to be. God is able to dismantle things in your life. God's able to pull the rug out from underneath your life. I will tell you this, the way of a transgressor is hard. And when we resist the voice of God and the, and the leading of God and the urging of the Holy Spirit, and you're not walking in the light as he's in the light, you're walking contrary to him, and you need to be sensitive to that. And, and maybe this, this is what this is all about. But this is actually the calling back to the atonement. Now watch now, I, I, I want to uh, complete this thought. He is still under the atonement. Israel is still under the atonement of a natural lamb. The real lamb of God, which is Christ. I inserted that. How many know the real lamb of God is Christ? Christ is the atonement. And he, Israel, rejected it. And the blood has been upon Israel ever since. Notice God making the people ready. Are we okay? You see what he's saying? That Israel natural <clears throat> is still under a natural atonement. The real Lamb of God is Christ, and He is the atonement. And He rejected it, Israel did, and the blood has been upon Him. The, the blood of the guilty has been upon Him ever since. Now think about this. These are the right people. They're God's people. They're the right people, but they're under the wrong atonement. And being under, listen, being under the wrong atonement exposes them to whatever is being unveiled or loosed in the world at that particular time. Think about you gotta you gotta ponder this one. Because you need to be making you need to be sure that you're under the right atonement, because it's only under the right atonement are you protected from what God is pouring out in this world. I'm not trying to scare you into, the, into believing because I can't do that. I can't intimidate you into believing. I can't even guilt you into believing. I can't do that. But I can tell you that the people of God, Israel, who were always God's people by genealogy, they were God's people. They were under the wrong atonement because they rejected the word for their day. And therefore they became liable to or exposed to the spirits that were loosed in that particular hour. But in reality, that was God's mercy driving them back to Israel so they could be there and receive the blessing when God leaves the Gentiles. Does that make sense? I would say this, that that's why Brother Branham says it so often. He says it, he says it countless times over and over again that 
it, it's not enough for you to say, well, I'm in this church, I'm, I'm in this particular movement, or I'm in the church, or I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been in the church all my life. All of that matters nothing if you're not underneath the blood. If you're not underneath the blood, you can be as good a person as you want. You can be as smart a person as you want. You can have it all figured out. Your mom and dad can be believers. Your grandma and grandpa can be believers. Your, your father can be a preacher. It doesn't matter. You have to be under the blood because that's the place of protection. You don't have to be in HBT. You don't have to be in Happy Valley. You don't have to be in any other physical church. It's not there. It's under the blood. That's where the protection is. It's under the blood. That's where the safety is. It's under the blood. That's where the spirits can't get through. Thank God there's a place where the spirits can't get through. Thank God we found our spiritual Goshen where the spirits of this world can't get through. Do you realize we'd be vulnerable to the same things that everybody else in the world is vulnerable to if it were not for the blood, the barrier that separates us from the judgment and the filth and the perversity that's out there. We'd be subject to all of that except for the blood of Christ. It truly is a bumper. It truly is a Goshen. It truly is a place of, 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 of safety. It is, a, it, is our, it is our safe place. It is the place that you have to be. Because here are people, we're talking, folks, we're talking millions of people who were good Jews, practicing Jews who died. I stood there in Auschwitz. I stood there in the, in, the, in the torture chamber. As a part of the, uh, the, the, the way we could go in through Auschwitz and see it, they had places where they died in the ovens, but they had places where they tortured people. And to, to this day, I still have, and you need to be ready if you ever go there, but if you, if you, when you go and you see certain situations where uh, they, they, they were forced uh, maybe they were considered spies or had information or whatever else. But what they did to the people, and they would measure the height, for instance, of people, and, and they put them in a, a, a cell, a holding cell, that was shorter than they were. And they had to be like this the whole time. And it was too narrow for them to sit down. There was not enough room for them to sit down. So they were like this, bent-legged, and they couldn't sit down, and they couldn't stand up. And they were forced to live in these chambers. And I can still see it in my mind's eye. I can still see what it, you know, just looking at it. I was looking at it and I was trying to think what, it would, what that would feel like to have to live like this day after day after day after day and to, to live in that, in that squat position without being able to go up or down. And I, I, just, I just thought, wow, you know, that was just one of the places that I saw uh, when I was in there. And you would, you would think after, after a while when you're looking at that, you would think it would be better almost to die. To, to live in that, in that pain and that discomfort. It would be better for you to, to die than just languish in a, in a situation like that. Where does that come from? Where, what kind of a mind, I got to ask you, what kind of a mind is it that would conceive of something like that? What, what, what kind of person wakes up in the morning and says, ah, I got a great idea for a torture chamber. You know what? That's not natural. That's not human beings and, and, and thinking how we treat other human beings here. That's not, that's not that. Let me tell you, those are spirits that are coming from another dimension rather than this one here. And they're inhabiting somebody 
that actually creates that and, and, and thinks about that and they're inspired. That inspiration is not coming from God. That is actually something that comes from below, very much below. But now it's free. It's, it's, it's loose now. And it's got, a, it's got an avenue. It's got, a, it's got a way to express itself. You don't want to be around. That's what I'm saying. You don't want to be around when those spirits express themselves. You don't want to be in their path. And you don't want to be around where they are. You want to avoid that. Let me tell you, there is only one way to avoid that. And that's under the blood of Christ. There is no other way. There is no other way. And my question has been over this last few days, over this, in my thinking here the last couple of weeks, where are those spirits now? Where are those spirits now? If they drove the Jews back, where are those spirits now? Now, I got to tell you, this is, a, a, may God guide us here now over the next little bit here. Brother Branham's talking about the tax case that he had. Anybody remember the story about the tax case Brother Branham had, right? And, and uh, it, it was a very traumatic thing for him, very difficult, as, it, as naturally it would be. And he said, I felt very bad for the tax case. Now, Brother Branham was ignorant of the law, and he was fined. Uh, the fines were reduced and everything else. But as a minister, you don't want to make stupid mistakes because it reflects on the gospel. Just like, you know, if something happens and... You know, you don't want to do that. You want to try to be as upright as you can and so forth. And, and here's Brother Bram. You know, he's a world, he's, he's recognized around the world as this man of God, man of integrity, man of honesty, virtue. And, and now he's, he's going back and forth to IRS court, and they finally find him guilty. And they said, all right, we've reduced the fine, but you know what? You're guilty. You've got to pay $40,000. $40,000 to a man like Brother Branham, back in that day, that was a big deal. It was a really big deal. And he said, now to think I've, I've put my life to the kingdom of God. He's talking to his wife. And listen now to what he says. He says, to try to make people pay taxes and do what's right, follow the law. I've, been, I've spent my whole life doing that. And make crooks become right. And have to put up like I was a crook myself. And I thought, what in the world have I done? What have I done to deserve this here? It's just a trap of Satan. And, and he says, what have, I, what have I done here? And he says, and then, I, then it came to me. And I looked in the Bible. And every man in the Bible, no exception, had a spiritual office. If Satan couldn't get them on morals or some issue like that, the government caught them. Like Daniel, Right? Satan couldn't get Daniel in any way, so he got the government as his last resource because government is controlled by the devil. Stop. Don't fall into the trap or make the mistake of saying that everybody who works for the government is devil-possessed. They're not. Okay? But the power behind the government is what he's referring to. Okay? It's just like you can say, well, education, you know, they teach all kinds of bad things in school. Does that mean that every teacher is devil-possessed? No. We have some here. We, I know I have family who are government workers. We, that, that's, that, you don't want to say it. You want to make sure you understand what he's saying here. But he said there's coming a government who will be controlled by Christ, and that's in the millennium. So the power behind the powers on the earth will be Christ in the millennium. But those governments now, no matter how well we think they are, yet the back of them, they're dominated by Satan. Now, let me give you a little piece of advice. Pay your taxes, right? Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and obey the speed limits and do all the things that you have to do because they're put there, they're put there by God. And if you don't believe that, start at Romans 12 and read to the end of the book of Romans. 
And you'll find that those are ministers of God. But these governments now, no matter how well we think they are, back of them they're dominated by Satan. And these kingdoms are mine, Satan said, and this is Matthew 4, and I do with them whatsoever, uh, he said, if you'll worship me. Now, Brother Bram's telling this to his wife. He's having a conversation with his wife. And he's so frustrated with this tax case. He's so, uh, he's so uh, embarrassed and discouraged because of this tax case. He says, and I, I don't have this on the screen here, but listen to what, I, what I'm going to quote to you here. He says, then I got discouraged because this is a discouraging thing. And I told my wife, I said, honey, he said, um, if, if I owed it, he said, honey, if I owed it, I'd pay it. But I don't owe it, and I'm just not going to pay it, that's all. How can I pay it? He said, 40000 I don't have, don't have the ability to write a check for 40000 He said, so I went home, and I said, meaty, wash the kids up, pack the bags, we're leaving. Everything is upside down. And he says, tell me, $40,000. He said, you don't realize what that means to me. He said, I'm leaving. That's what he says to the wife. Everything's upside down. Huh. That spirit went nowhere. You know what? That spirit was in New York last week where everything was upside down. And I don't know about you, but have you ever felt like things are, things are out of control? Things are, I mean, it's just nuts. Things are crazy. Anybody felt that lately? And Brother Branham says, well, honey, pack the bags. Let's take the kids. We're just going to go. And she turns around and says to him, well, have you prayed about it? Have you, have you prayed about it? Five words from a wife that can make any husband stop in his tracks. And then he says, well, maybe I better pray again. That's what he says. So he went back and he said, he said, all of a sudden he said, I was just sitting there with my Bible and he said, always he said, you want to watch the scripture. Because as I thought about it, he said, one day it came to me that Jesus was confronted by people in his ministry. And they said to him, is it right for us free Jews to give tribute or taxes to Caesar? That's where Brother Bam now, his wife told him to go pray again. He's got his Bible and he says, that scripture comes to me. And they came to Jesus and said, all right. We know that government is a controlling government and we're, we're in bondage to Rome and we're not meant to be in bondage. We can show you scripture verses that say we're not supposed to be in bondage. So should we pay taxes to Caesar and pay taxes to Rome? We know what Rome's doing with all the money and, and should we do that? Because after all, we're free Jews, we're God's people. Bless God, we're in the message and so why should we pay taxes to Rome? And Jesus said, hey, give me a coin. He takes the coin and he said, whose inscription is on it? He says, Caesar. So render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and the things to God the things that are God. Now, Brother Bram's under conviction now about the, the whole taxing, his wife and all the rest of it, right? And he's, he's working through this thinking here. And he says, and I thought of that. And I turned the Bible over and I read. And I said, Lord, that's right. But this don't belong to Caesar. This was yours. It wasn't Caesar's. Listen to what he says now. But this didn't belong to Caesar. This money in the tax case, it didn't belong to Caesar. This was your money. He's reasoning through this. He said it wasn't Caesar's. 
if it had been mine, I, uh, he said, I would have paid the taxes. And he said, that would have been different. But this does not belong to Caesar. This is yours, Lord. And it don't belong to Caesar in the first place. And you know, Brother Bram said, God's always got the answer. And this is what the scripture says. When they were come to Capernaum, they received tribute money, came to Peter and said, does not your master pay tribute? And they're trying to trip, trip Jesus up. And he said, yes. And when he was coming to the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon, of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute of their own children or of strangers? And Peter saith to him, Of strangers. And Jesus said to him, Then are the children free. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea, cast a hook, and take up the fish that first comes up, and when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money and give unto them for me and for you. This is after the render unto Caesar, the things that are Caesar's, in the same chapter. And Brother Bram said, the Holy Spirit encouraged me to read a little further. And he paraphrases. Watch what he says. Say, Simon, haven't you got a fish hook in your pocket? He said, you always carry a fish hook, right? Fishermen always carry a fish hook. Just like if you want a pocket knife, you ask first, who's from West Virginia? Because people from West Virginia always have a pocket knife. You may not have known that, and that's why you came to church today, but I'm telling you that's true. And he says, you always carry a little fish hook and a string in your pocket. This is what Brother Bram's paraphrasing now. And he says, Peter, I made a deposit today in the fish bank. And the banker will certainly give up what he's got. Just go down and throw your hook in the river. And when you get to the bank, open his mouth, and he'll give you the coin. He said, let's not offend them, the government. Don't bring offense to them. Go pay it, Simon. That'll be for me and for you. And I thought, this is Brother Bram, I thought, true God, you got fish banks and everything else across the country. I don't know how it will be done, but I'll do what you tell me. Hello? Does he have a righteous cause? You bet. Is the logic of his argument right? Yes. It's not Caesar's money. That's God's people giving God's money for God's work. And he's a prophet and all the rest of it. And yet he's being accused of stealing that money and all the rest of it here. But Jesus says, you know what, Peter? We got this. I already made a deposit in the fish bank today. Pull the fish out. He says, there's a coin. Pay it for me and you. Because you know what? We don't want to offend them. These people are sinners, dictators, right? Caesar's not exactly a Boy Scout. But we don't want to offend them. In other words, we want to have our report 100%. Can I go a little further? <clears throat> Sometimes we don't realize how we're affected by all of this stress and pressure and the, the spirits that are out there. Sometimes we don't even realize it. I'd gone through the week that I have, and I don't mean to keep coming back to that, but it was, it was quite a week for me and, and my wife, and she handled it much better than I did because I wanted to go to Newfoundland. We tried everything we possibly could to get there. It was not the Lord's will. I accept that, and, you know, here I am. I'll be back. But, but here I am. 
So last night, we, we were buying some groceries for the house and preparing lunch. And uh, <clears throat> we went to our friendly local down here and uh, got some things. And Sister Becky got everything she wanted. She said, you go through the line. I'll go get something else that I forgot. So she went off in the store. I was at the counter there. So this young lady, uh, colored lady there, she's, she's standing at the counter. I mean, she must have been maybe 25. That's about it. And uh, I come up, and I'm, I'm taking my things out, and I'm putting them on the belt there. And she said, how are you doing? And I said, I'm doing all right. And she said, <clears throat> okay. She said, uh, welcome to the food line. <clears throat> and in a, in a minute, she says to me, you feeling okay? And I said, yeah, feeling all right. And then she says, are you angry? I'm looking around like, and I said, no. She said, okay. And I, I said, ma'am, I'm just curious. Why did you ask if I was angry? She said, because everything you've taken out of your cart, you've pounded it on the belt. Man, she stopped me in my tracks. Because she doesn't know me from Adam, right? She doesn't know what kind of week I've had. But you know what she's seen? She's seen the manifestation of something that's on the inside that I don't even know is there. And I'm being honest with you. And then I began to think about that. I began to think, you know what? There are some things that I've, gone through this week that make you frustrated and make you angry and make you, I mean, I'm just human, just like everybody else. I mean, here's Brother Branham, you know, he's saying, hey, let's get out of here. Things are crazy. Everything's upside down. Let's just go. And he's feeling that. I'm feeling that in the store, and I'm not making apologies for that. I'm not making excuses for that. I'm making apologies for that. And I, I thought, wow, that's, that's so spilling over in me that a stranger, a total stranger, is able to recognize that and concerned enough that she's asking me about it, a total stranger. When's the last time you walked up to a stranger and said, hey, are you angry? <laughs> I mean, I must have had it on my face and I must have had it, you know, and, and I, I, I just said to him, ma'am, I, I, uh, I stopped putting groceries on the, on the belt and I'm leaning on the cash register and I said, I said, ma'am, I, I'm sorry. I said, I, I've had quite a week and there are things that are going on. There's been lots of stresses and I got, I got to speak tomorrow morning in the church. I felt like a complete hypocrite when I said that. And I said, I, I just, it's been a, been a tough week. I, start, I started to get emotional. And I was thinking, that should not be my message to her. That should not be my message to everybody else. But we live in a world where there's all kinds of pressures and all kinds of demons and all kinds of things like that. But you know what? I profess to have the Holy Ghost. And I'm just telling you this morning that as good as you want to try to live, you've you got to constantly, you have to constantly keep, keep under the blood. You've got to keep under prayer. You've you got to make sure your spirit doesn't get tempered by, you know, mixed up with that kind of thing because it's easy. I mean, you know, can we go around the room here and talk about some of the stresses that, 
people feel. Anybody? I don't want you to have a show of hands here, but I could pass the microphone and I could tell you about things that, oh, all of you are shaking your heads here. So I, 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 I paid her and I took all my stuff and I walked out and I, I leaned back and I said, thank you, ma'am. Thank you for saying what you did to me. And she said, okay. She had no idea of the impact of what she said. And I said, I, want, I, I really appreciate you saying what you said to me. So I got my stuff out and we went home. Sister Becky came out and we went home and she forgot something. I had to go back to the store. <laughs> Much later that night, I went back to the store. And I walked into the store and I had, I had uh, just one item and I laid them on the counter and I went, I found that she was still working. I went back, laid them on her belt and went back. And I said, Hi. And she's, she's like, do I know you? I said, I'm the angry guy. She said, oh, yeah, I remember you now. I remember you now. And I, 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 just, I just talked to her for just a minute, just a little bit, and I explained to her how, you know, what kind of a week it was and so forth. And I said, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to, to show that. And I said, you know, sometimes it, it, it does come across, you know, when we get frustrated and things like that. And, and she said, yeah, no problem. <laughs> like, I don't want to go home with you, and I don't want to have go for coffee or anything like that. You know, that's, I, that's the way she... And I said, no, I just wanted to say thank you again for, for just saying what you did. I said, you stopped me right in my tracks. And I said, that was, it was a good thing that you said that. I, you know, you, you think about little things like that, and you think, here's Jesus saying to Peter, we don't want to offend them. Whatever you do in, in your life, we don't want to offend them. Look, it, it, God's going to work all this out. So he's saying to Peter, it seems unjust. It seems like it's not logical. It seems like, you know what, it's not fair. But God's going to have the last say. And you might have been treated badly in life, and you might have been treated by a minister or by life or by marriage or by your children or your parents, or whatever else. But you know what? God sees it all. God knows it all. You just want to walk through this life as harmless as doves. You live among serpents, and you want to be as harmless as a dove. You say, I got my rights. I, yeah, you know what? We know all of that. But we don't find Bible verses for that. That's the thing. We don't find justification in Scripture for slamming our fist on the table of life and demanding that we all get treated fairly. There's just no Bible verses for it. And here's Brother Branham. He's not wrong in the tax case, but he is wrong according to the law, and the law looks at it one way. Why, hey, may God forbid you ever winding up in family court, but if you wind up in family court, you may have it all figured out in your head how it should come out, but I'll guarantee you they don't look at you in family court like you look at you in family court. And it's, a, it's quite a process. I don't really know why I'm over there, except Brother Branham's, Brother Branham's in his own experience here, he's ready to throw in the hat. He's ready to leave. He's ready to take his wife and go because things are frustrating. And I, 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 maybe I should say this to you this morning, that some of you may be going through the real a real wave of frustration or, you know, upset about something or you're undecided. And you, why doesn't God tell me clearly? And 
this and that. And let me tell you, I, I just I want to encourage you and, and tell you this, that God does know exactly where you are. And I believe that God always has an answer. Because even before they came to Jesus and tempted him, and before Peter asked him the question, God had already made a deposit in the mouth of some fish down here because he knew what was coming that day even before anybody asked the question. And you know what? That's the God we serve, that he goes ahead of us. He doesn't just respond because we come in prayer to him. He's already gone ahead of us, and he knows what you have need of. Can I leave you with the scripture? And I'm, I'm long veered away here from, from where I wanted to be, but let me leave you with this thought. In the message, Redemption by Power, Brother Bram says, standing there, and this is on the shores of the Red Sea. That's where there is. The angel of God went before the camp of Israel and stood between them and the enemy. You remember what the Bible says? That the pillar of fire removed itself and went from, well, let's read it. No, let's not. Let me paraphrase it for you. The children of Israel are backed up against the Red Sea. They have nowhere to go. There's mountains on either side, and the sea is in front of them. Pharaoh and his army is barreling down on the only other avenue of escape. So two sides blocked, one by the sea, one by Pharaoh. So they're looking at it, and Moses is crying unto God, Lord, what should I do? And God, that's when God says, why cry unto me, but speak and go forward, right? Now the Bible says in that moment, that as the children of Israel were moving out, crossing the Red Sea, which had parted supernaturally, the pillar of fire actually moved. All right, let's do it this way. Here's the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea. Here's Pharaoh. The pillar of fire, which was leading them, did this. And these maneuvered in a narrow channel across the Red Sea. Stay with me, I'm almost done. In a narrow path across the Red Sea, they're moving out row by row across the Red Sea. Well, they'd be sitting ducks, all this crowd here, except the pillar of fire moved here. And the Bible says that that same pillar of fire gave light to them on this side, and everyone on this side was troubled. The horses were troubled. They were uh, throwing their riders off. They were snorting and, you know, making, they were scared to death because of this darkness. And it was completely dark over here, but it was light over here. <clears throat> now, what mattered <clears throat> in that moment? What mattered was what side of the pillar of fire you were on. That's all that mattered. It didn't matter whether you, you know, you, you were a, a good boy that day or <laughs> something else. What mattered was what side of the pillar of fire you're on. Because on this side is light and deliverance. On this side is darkness. Turmoil. Trouble. And, and they, they're smart enough, they can't get past that pillar of fire. No matter how hard they tried, they could not get around that pillar of fire. It was there to block the enemy from the people of God. That's the scene, right? Standing there, the angel of God went before the camp of Israel stood between them and the enemy. And the angel of God is standing tonight between every individual here and the enemy. You know who Brother Bram's saying that to? Us. 
I know what I'm speaking of. I know that God has condescended, coming down from glory, standing in this building tonight. If you'll only dare to move out on God's word, see if he doesn't move before you now. See if God doesn't get in the right position to protect you so you can walk the right way and fulfill the word of God. And it came, it came between the camp of Israel and the Egyptians. He's coming between you and your sickness. He's standing between you and your sins right now. Glory to God. We are in an exodus of the church. Egypt was first called the world. And remember, they were church members down there. But after the blood and the atonement was made, they became the circumcision of God. So they're underneath the blood. Now, it's not the blood of the Lamb of Calvary because this is in the first exodus. This is uh, 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 1,700 years before Jesus died, right? But they're under the blood of the atonement. And that, that atonement was the token that was applied over the doorpost of their house, right? And the death angel, uh, death angel passed over. So they're still underneath that token because there's no doorways out here, but they're still under the token of the blood. Somebody say amen. And they're walking out in the desert. Now they have trouble. But you know what God says? I got an answer. And he moves between them and the Egyptians there. Why? Because they're still under the blood. If you're under the right atonement, God's going to protect you. If you're under the right atonement, God's going to work for you in that hour. And, And here they are standing in that position there. And... And, and they're, they're moving across the Red Sea until every one of them get across and the sea goes back like that and they're all dead in the water and the Israelites are all safe on the other side with the water of the other shore lapping against their feet and they look and they say, we have no enemies. We only now have open road and we have, we have to go on now. I'm, I'm pressing on the upward way. And you know what? Before they left that spot, they were so excited because of what God had done. They broke out in the song and they took their tambourines out and dusted them off. And they began to sing and rejoice and dance in the desert there. And they say, oh, our God has overthrown the horse and his rider and he's cast them all into the sea. And we are a free people now. And God has done what God has promised. And God has done what he has said. And he said, Brother Branham comes along and takes that story and brings it right up, Brother Sam, and lays it in your lap and says, he's standing between you and your sins right now. So in other words, the devil who would consume you can't get to you. He can't get around that that pillar of fire. He can't get around that atonement. The devil's giving you a prognosis, you know, a, 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 a death sentence in, a, in his announcement here, looking at the symptoms. But you know what? Satan can't get around that. He can't, he can't actually take that person he's got around. But Joe, and, and all of a sudden, a person under the right atonement, they stand there and can make the right confession. You know what we're doing? We're throwing ourselves at the mercy of a God who is able to save us no matter what situation we find ourselves in. And he said, he's coming between you and your sin. He's coming between you and your sickness. He's coming between you and your trouble. Why in the world should we hold back? Why should we hold back if we are the children of God? If you're not, a, if you're not saved today as a child of God, you know what? You should be thankful that he's in between you and the judgments of this world. 
I would find a place to repent to make sure I'm on the right side of the pillar of fire. Because you know what? It didn't matter whether you did your homework. It didn't matter whether you made Sunday school. It didn't matter whether you got all your ducks in a row. It only mattered. The only thing that mattered is that you were on the right side of the pillar of fire. That's all that mattered, that you were over here and not over here. And that's what God's looking for. God is doing everything he can to position us in the right place. And you've got all kinds of enemies, 200 million of them, that are trying to move you in one direction or another or try to get you back over this side. And God says, no. He says, you hold your ground. I'll get between you and your enemy there. Just stand still and see the glory of God. And don't worry about the enemy. Don't worry about what they say. Don't worry about what the government says. Don't worry about what the Supreme Court decides. Don't worry, Brother Barry, about the airlines. Don't worry about this or that. Or what the doctor says and all the other things. Now, we don't want to, we're not being silly. We're not promoting silliness here. But you understand what I'm saying? No matter what happens to us, we have a God who's standing between us and the problems you're hearing about. We can go to God. We can pray. Brother John's sitting here today. We're thankful for that. Brother Johnny comes through the procedures there. Hey, let me tell you, there's not many people. I don't believe that Brother Johnny probably would be alive today if it was not for the grace of God and for God standing between and saying, no, there's a reason, there's a purpose that he's still around. There's a reason that God wants him still here. I believe because he and his wife are such a blessing to our assembly right here. And God's got a purpose to that. God's got some, uh, you know, he's got a plan that's bigger than our thinking. And he's got ways that are higher than our ways. And he's got, he's got means that are not at our disposal. And God can make things happen that you can't make happen. And I say this, I'm honored to serve a God like that. I'm delighted to serve a God like that. I am excited to serve a God like that. And we should serve him every day of our lives, every realizing that all of these forces that are loosed in the enemy here, they will not stop the people of God because it just matters that they've found themselves, by God's grace, they've found themselves, Sister Florence, on the right side of the pillar of fire. And there ain't no, there are not enough devils can reach out from here and drag you back here. We are under the direction of God. That's how they got there in the first place is God led them. God led them to the shores of the Red Sea. They didn't just stumble on that. God led them to the shores of the Red Sea. And God placed them there. And he says, you think you run out of options and see, and, and Pharaoh thinks he's got the upper hand. Let me tell you, I always have the last say. I always have the last say. And I know how to get you from here to there, even though no one can see it. I know how to get you from here to there. And I believe tonight, I believe today, that God knows how to get us from here to there, even though no one can see it and nobody knows the way. I believe that our God can get us from here to there. Here's my piece of advice for you and the musicians that they can slip up here. He says, may the Holy Spirit take us now as we hear the yoke click around our hearts. From tonight on, I take you at your word. That's what you should pray. Now don't think your own thinking. Think my thoughts. Think my will. And I will lead you. That's what he says to pray. If you're a young person here today and you're, you're struggling over one thing or another, do this from this day on. I'm just going to take God at his word. Don't think your own thinking. Think my thoughts. Think my will. And I'll lead you. I've got an answer. I got a way. God says, I got a way. You just be sure you're on the right side of the pillar of fire. And some of you need to wake up and realize you are on the right side of the pillar of fire. You're already there and you don't even know it. Or you're there 
and you don't appreciate it. And I don't mean that critically. I'm just saying that sometimes we've been around church and the promises and the prophet and the people of God and camp meetings and everything else. We've been around it so long, we kind of don't even realize the position God's got us in. But you're not in this position by chance. You're not in this position by genealogy. I said you're not in this position by genealogy. You're not in that position by who your mom and dad is. You're in this position by predestination that God has brought you to this place. Whether you're young or old, you're in this place because God chose you to be in this place. Because I'll guarantee you, about 98% of the world, the cosmos, is not in that same position. They're in this position over here. And that's why they can't see. That's why they can't understand. That's why they can't walk like you can walk. That's why they can't believe like you can believe. That's why they can't even see why you believe like you believe. Because they're in darkness over here. But you're not here because you're mom and dad. And you're not here because you chose a nice church with nice pews. You're not here by any other reason except by predestination. And you ought to realize, wake up and realize, hey, you know what? God's done that. Huh. You've just been around it so long and outside of the pillar of fire. You just don't appreciate it anymore. It's kind of become a common thing. I'm in the youth group, and the pastor, he better come up with something good for us, or I'm going to leave and go to another youth group. If you're here just for the youth group, that's not a good reason to be here. We're here by predestination. And God's juggled you around. Look at your lives. None of you were here 10, 15 years ago. Look at your lives. Oh, a couple of you were. Look around at your lives and look how God's juggled you and moved you. Brother Jonathan down there, happily living in Florida. And all of a sudden, boom, here. Folks from Georgia. Folks from different places. Arizona here. From Africa here, living over here. And all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. And you think, well, I'm making decisions. Brother Sam, you think you're making decisions. And all of a sudden, bam. God's got you in a, in a place for a season. Who knew? <laughs> I'll tell you who knew. God knew. Amen. I didn't know. I didn't know I was going to be here. The only reason we ever came into North Carolina was to leave it. We had no, we had no connection with North Carolina. I don't mean that in a bad way. I think you took that in a bad way. I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way. We had no relatives here, right? We had no connection here. We only knew Dan Daisley. That's the only person we knew in North Carolina. We never knew the Harwells. We never knew any other, other locals that were here. Never, never knew the drums. Never, we, never, we never knew hardly anybody. So whenever we came to North Carolina, we just kept going. Because we never had, you know, there was no connection here. But you know what? That's not how God looked at the scene. I can tell you, my wife can tell you the same thing. And we come through Statesville. We, we'd be driving down the interstate. We'd come through Statesville. We always had this funny feeling when we passed through Statesville. And we always, we always kind of looked around. Even though we had no reason to stop, we always kind of looked around and said, you know, there's just something about this area. Just something about it. And we keep on going because we had no, no connection here. You know what matters, Brother Sam? You just got to be on the right side of the pillar of fire. You think you got a lot of enemies? Think about what they had to face, what they looked at every, every hour when they looked at the army back there and walls on either side and the sea in front of them. And they just, they just stood there, just in faith, simply believing, Lord, if we're going to get out of this, it's going to have to be you. I believe, and I'll end here, 
I believe that when we leave here, it'll be because we're standing in a position where we cannot do anything else. And we'll agree together and say, if we get out of this, it'll have to be God. It'll have to be Him. And when we do, because I believe we will, we'll get over on the other side and sing Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. Because I know, Brother David, it wasn't me that get, gets us there. I know it won't be me. I know it'll be Him that gets us there. Hallelujah. I feel good. I don't know how you feel. I, I feel good. Because I, I, I just, the, the only thing I just want you to leave with is this bottle of water right here and make sure that you're on this side of the pillar of fire. There's light on this side. Peace on this side. There's a way out on this side. You know what? On this side, there ain't no way out. This is, this is pre-tribulation. There's, there's, not, there's, nothing, there's nothing in here but darkness. Nothing over there. You deserve the glory
of the cherubim commune with me. Oh, 
speaking to your heart, but I know that if you're ready to give your life away and you want to do that, today is a great day to do that. Let your life go into His hands. And I would say this to you that are here today, if you've already given your life to Christ a long time ago and you want to do it again and just say, Lord, I just every day I want to let my life just be under your complete control. Would you raise your hand this morning? Lord Jesus, just about every hand raised, Lord. God, we, we just know that the very best place, the very best thing we can do, Lord, is let you take control. It doesn't always make sense. It isn't always logical. And it isn't, Lord, what would seem to be the right way. But you led those people right to the shores of the Red Sea with no other means of escape. But you had it all worked out. Our job seems to be, back then and now, is simply to trust you that you don't lead us where you can't deliver us. You don't bring us where you can't bring us through. You don't take us where we can't be taken out of the path of danger. Lord Jesus, you're one who has all power and all resources. We just want to be sure we're under the blood. We want to be sure, Lord, we're on the right side of the pillar of fire. We want to be sure, Lord, that we're walking with you every day of our lives. So, Lord Jesus, may we learn to appreciate the fact that we are in the position we're in today, not because of choice, not because of our efforts, but, Lord, because of your calling and your predestination, you have brought us to where we are today. Your grace is so sufficient. Your mercies, they never end. They're new every day. Give us strength, Lord. Give us guidance. Be patient with us, Lord. And Father, I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for the, the anger that surfaced last night, Lord, and an outsider looked at that, Lord. And I can imagine how Brother Brandon must have felt, Lord, over that whole tax business. And and Lord, we live in a very pressure-filled world and lots of, lots of attacks of the enemy. Forgive me, Lord, I pray. And I pray, dear God, that you would lead us in your will and guide us now. We have many members of our assembly who are away today, Lord, and traveling over this holiday weekend. And I pray you'd be with them. I pray that you would guide them safely back home, Lord, and bless their fellowship today. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, and we thank you for eternal life. Have your way, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. If I can pray with any of you today, I'd be glad to do that. Let's sing this this morning again. I give myself away. Oh, I give myself away. So you can use me I give myself away I 
give myself away so Yeah.
sing this as you go this morning. God still moves.